Welcome back to Comics Overtime, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne. With me, as always, my good buddy, Dan. Dan, how's it going today? Excellent. It's been an interesting weekend. Had a lot of fun. Been out, uh, out and about. And we did finally get snow here up north. So you can start mocking me now for at least the next <laughs> six months or so. I would but. do no such thing. I know I know what you're going through and uh you know it'll be many months till you see the 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 ground again. But uh seems like that's the case. We had a nice run though into December with great weather. So but yeah, so this week in comics we are continuing on with our sort of little digression back into the world of Moon Knight, taking a look at the recent Moon Knight series. First up this week, we're going to actually dive into issues number 21 through 24 of the current Moon Knight series. And then we're going to take a look at the five-issue limited series called City of the Dead by David Popos and Friends, where we see the comic debut of a character that fans of the TV show are already very familiar with. Yes. Actually, not technically the comic debut, because oddly enough, she's going to debut in the comic we'll read next week. Which yes. is... Moon Knight number 25, but this is the first real actual live this, action we get over. This feels like you should use the Doctor Who timey-wimey expression at this point, yes. because there is, uh, it, it sort of, it kind of happened almost simultaneously the way these worked, because issue 25 came out in the middle of the year, right around the same time as issue one of this series. So yep, very, very close, very, very close. But but yes, we've got we've got a very interesting set of books to look at today. So let's jump in and look at the current series. So we had four issues on Moon Knight 21 through 24 of the current Jed McKay, Alessandro Capuccio's run of Moon Knight. This is kind of the final books to set up the big final arc final story uh that that we have coming in these last few issues in many ways this is truly the calm before the storm or the happy ending before the sad ending in if you want sure. to think of it that sure. way sure. right sure. yes so yeah these all came out over the over the summer written by jed mckay drawn by alexander capuccio for 21 to 23 and federico sabatini for number 24 it's been our regular cast on Moon Knight for a long time. Basically sort of like that, where one of them will end up drawing about three and then Sabatini comes in and, and does a fill-in issue. Because Capuccio and Sabatini both also do their own inks as well. So it takes them a while to do these. And because of that, um, Capuccio does occasionally need a fill-in issue. Colorist, we've got Rochelle Rosenberg, who's been at this for a long time. I think one of the reasons why the art looks so consistent across all of these is that we have Rosenberg on colors and VCs Corey Petit on letters. So they're always sort of supporting our artists with something that keeps everything looking consistent. And then editor is Tom Brevert, who's been overseeing these books for quite a while. So 
I was just going to say that it is amazing to me that when you look at the books, you can't really tell that much of a difference. The, the style of the art is very similar and they draw the characters in a very similar manner as well. There's not a very stark contrast between Capuccio and Sabatini in this. And I, and I, I actually applaud that because it, from a consistency standpoint, uh, it makes it a lot easier to follow what thing, what things are happening and what's going on. And you're not pulled out of the issue. At least sometimes I get pulled out of the issue when, when we have one book where a character looks one way and then they look completely different than the, in the very next issue. Yeah. And really, I think when they started, Sabatini's style was actually quite a lot different than Capuccio's. It had a very manga-inspired kind of feel. And it almost seems like he has just leaned into the fact that he is working regularly on this book, filling in for and, and sort of complimenting Capuccio, and has just sort of stylized his art to be to be even more compatible. Even at that, though, it's weird how compatible it is, but they still look very different when you really look at them in a vacuum. Uh, you can see it, you can see very easily which one of them's doing the book if you stop to think about it. Right. But if you don't stop to think about it, a lot of times I don't even notice which one of them it is that's doing it. I I don't spend a ton of time stopping and thinking about it. I think I think there's like there'll be like a panel or or something about a, a particular book that I'll stop for a minute and I'll look at it. And then I'll be like, okay, who was this that did this? And then I'll go back and look at that. That's when I realize who it is that the artist was for a particular issue or uh, a particular panel that catches my attention. There you go. So these are relatively recent issues. Uh, probably a number of folks may have read this, but also a number may not have. So I have done some capsule summaries for us, a couple sentences each for these four books, just to give folks an idea what's going on. And again... Right. We're coming out of issue 20 where we just finished up with the Zodiac run and with the whole vampire, uh, vampires in New York thing. And now we're moving into kind of a new set of books. So in issue 21, we've got recent soldier heading out to a nightclub where an evil DJ ends up appearing and uses sonic mind control to turn the crowd into a murderous mob. Reese actually manages to save the day by showing us a new power. She turns into mist and sneaks up behind the DJ and takes him out from above. Issue 22, Greer and Mark actually end up having a movie night. And then we have Tigra going on the hunt for the Midnight Man, who, for some reason, Mark doesn't seem to be very interested in catching, even though that's one of his villains. And you'd think no. that he'd be like, man, there's somebody out there calling himself Midnight Man. This is my responsibility, right? He's taken down two Midnight Men, the original Midnight Man and his son who inherited the mantle of Midnight Man a little later on. Oddly, though, no interest in stopping this guy. No, just no interest. So, yeah. Oddly, Tiger goes out and, and hits the streets to find this guy, and she finds out that it is indeed actually Mark himself dressing up as the Midnight Man and committing crimes in sort of the costume of his old foe so that he can make payroll for the midnight mission and otherwise make up for all the money that got stolen from him back at the start of this series. She gives him significant help for, number one, lying to her, 
Number two, being a bad friend. And of course, number three, wandering around stealing in the night like, like they're not supposed to be doing. Uh, later, he realizes that uh, he has done something wrong. He shows up at her apartment suitably humbled, and they have a kiss. And, uh, and Tiger essentially says, I think I've got a boyfriend so to, yes. to her son. So, issue 23, Moon Knight and Venom end up beating up some punk mercenaries and then hunt down Sidney Sarnap, the evil sound engineer who helped cause trouble back in issue 21. They end up finding him, and Sarnap locks himself in a panic room and calls the cops to avoid being interrogated or beaten up by Moon Knight. Issue 24 finishes up the uh, the stuff before we, we get in on 25 and all the big stuff. It's an issue where Morpheus is actually feeding dreams to Moon Knight to alters. Both Jake and Steven seem to be very happy with the visions they've got of their, their alternate lives and futures. Only Mark actually cannot just be happy with what he has. Forces his way through the divisions and finds out that Morpheus is actually dying of wounds he'd suffered at the hands of Black Spectre, and simply wanted to bring a bit of happiness back into the world for, uh, for Moon Knight before he before he passes away. There you go. So really, four kind of standalone stories that each build on different things. What did you think I, of these books? They were they were really. They were good. I, I liked them a lot. I, I think the it was it was kind of interesting to get to focus on Reese and Soldier in, in issue 21, them going to the nightclub. It was great seeing Tigra and how how that kind of thing plays out with Mark Spector uh, in in issue 22. Uh, you know, seeing him team up again with another random uh super superhuman uh in in venom uh was pretty pretty interesting i think i think issue 24 was the most interesting to me because it was just it was so kind of out of left field because you just kind of jumped into the issue and you were in these visions and mark specter was at a barbecue and suddenly you know, Marlene was there. Deatrice's daughter is there. You know, Jean-Paul is coming back and everybody's happy. And he's like, this isn't right. I don't understand what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, it's it's heartbreaking to see when you have this character that is so just, he, he's dealt with so much adversity and so much guilt and so much, all the all these bad things that happened that even even in a dream state he can't he can't enjoy it for a little bit he immediately knows something is wrong and, and has to try and figure out what the problem is yep and this is actually kind of interesting because this whole this whole portion of the run these issues really show the world he's built you know the the first issue reese kind of takes the spotlight and it really is an issue about Reese. We get to see a little character development from her, see how she's starting to adapt to her vampire powers, see how she actually gets a night to just go out and have some fun like she's still a normal kid, take Soldier along, who is not very good at being a normal kid. No. We've, we've all been there. Um, and he, he just sort of 
wanders along. They're they're doing their thing. Of course, there's an attack. Moon Knight helps to save the day, but really this is kind of a, a Reese issue, and I think that it's good. You know, you don't want to not have the main character be a big part of things too often, but every once in a while it's nice to sort of get some breathing room here. Issue 22 follows up on that by doing the same thing, because we actually get... Or actually, before I go there... So, one one thing we did get, even though it was mostly a Reese issue, we got to see Jake, which was kind of nice. What did you we think did. of seeing him he's, come in? He, he's back. Cabby knows, knows the hot spots in town. Can, knows the bouncer can get him into the hottest nightclub. It was it was actually just just great. I I liked I liked seeing Jake. I will say I the other thing that I really liked about this issue specifically with Reese was the fact that there was some payoff to the to the story about Blade taking Reese under under the wing and kind of yeah. trying to teach her how how to be a vampire and different things like this. And so we have, you know, she's in the middle of this mob of of people that are just like killing on, on each other beating on each other and she just like kind of knows what to do she she we see uh about a page where the panels where she's talking to blade and blade's telling her yeah you can you can just turn to mist if you want the the hard part is coming putting yourself back together again and then she's mm-hmm. just like confident and then you she just does it and and it and it is it was it was great to see. Yep. Also, also that she's learning things like you know responsible vampires top off with a a full uh, full supply of blood before they go out amongst yes. human crowds and stuff like this. So right. she's like, soldiers gotta you know drink up. We need to make sure that we're uh, we're completely not hungry before we go out there. So it's it's an interesting look at those two characters and kind of how they're they're dealing with the the new life that they're stuck in. Issue number twenty-two. Then we have we have a for the first time really a chance to actually get some development on the relationship side of Tigra and Mark, and I think it had been something we'd been seeing happening for a while, but they actually sort of just by the end of this one have put them together as a couple, and he's hanging out on the couch watching movies with her and her, her kid, and. It's kind of interesting because she calls him on some stuff first. And really part of being able to go over there after that is him just sort of getting over himself and understanding that he really needs to be better to the people who are part of his life. But I think this is the most satisfying issue of Moon Knight in some ways. If you like Moon Knight... And I don't mean like Moon Knight in terms of like the comic book, but if you ever in your life actually just wanted Mark Spector to catch a break and not have to suffer all the time, I think this is probably the issue where he's been the most content. And I'd I'd like to see if you think this too. Since, as far as I can remember, the end of Volume 1, when he got on the plane... Yeah. Yeah. And took off from, I think it was Chicago, after his dad's funeral, and sort right. of flew off into Marvel anonymity because that was the last episode, last issue of Volume One, right? Right. 
ever since then, pretty much, he's been largely miserable. And here, you know, he's got... Or or dead. He's been miserable or been dead. <laughs> sure, sure. Touche. So, yes. you know, the... Uh, but he's always got all of this guilt. He's usually got people angry at him. He's rarely got people really to support him. And now he's got the mission, which is a place. He's got all of these people who work with him. So he's got a team of people he enjoys and trusts. And he's got sort of like this almost little developing surrogate family that he can start to, to build around. We should have known something <laughs> bad was going to happen. Right? He yeah, you, it, it's it's the kind of the self sabotage thing, right? If things are going a little too well, you got to do something to uh, to rock the boat, and and you know, I get that he needs money. He lost all of the money that kind of Stephen had had uh, invested and gotten for him early on in this when the Zodiac was was working with this like computer hacker guy that 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 basically yeah took took his took and redistributed his funds basically uh mm -hmm. out of his bank account so i get that he like needs to pay people but man yeah it's like you really are doing what you've always done which is kind of treat the people in your inner circle badly and lied to them and kind of kept them at arm's length and and weren't honest with them and and i i'm glad she got as upset with him as she did because that's what you that's what you have to do in those situations like when even when you when you like someone or love someone you have to be tough and firm with them to get them back in on the straight and narrow when they when they're doing something like this in his defense he was stealing primarily from the children of people who were part of the committee, who were the ones that sort of wrecked everything in the first place for him, and then hired Taskmaster to kill him and everything else. So he wasn't just randomly robbing people, he, but it's it's still robbing people. So he's not Robin Hood. I'm sorry, it just doesn't no, work that way. It's not not a good look. But I I really enjoyed this issue. And again, you know, this is where I'm kind of a bad friend to Moon Knight. Because I'm like, this is great. But do I want him to be sitting around on the couch for the next 20 issues? Probably not. Right? So, this is, this is one of those where we, we take this moment, we enjoy it, we're happy for him. And then we're ready for something to come and kick him in the teeth so that, uh, so that we can move on. All right, so so issue twenty three, Venom. Tell me a little bit about what you thought of this one. So I don't know much about the Venom characters, so this was kind of interesting. We see a young kid actually having the the symbiont in this, uh, and he's ba basically he comes to 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 Moon Knight because he doesn't really have any place else to turn. His dad has died, and Apparently, before before he died, he he told the kid if he ever got in trouble that Moon Knight's the guy to look up because he he kind of 
is in a similar situation that people don't really get him. Uh, they think he's crazy, that sort of thing. And, and so he, it was, it was kind of cool because he, this kid seems to be very new to having the symbiont. And so he was kind of teaching him the ropes a little bit on how to, how to handle, handle the situation and, and ends up going after, after this Sidney Sarnak, who is, who, who, you know, we, we fought, we learned of in issue 21 and that he got a name for and Venom was able to find kind of following the, the sound was able to, to locate where this, where this guy was being held up. And so I liked it because he was like telling him, okay, you, you go after this guy, you go after this person first and they're going to try and do this. So you got to watch out for that. And while I work on this per this person over here, because of course somebody like Sidney Sarnak is going to have some goons waiting with some with some powers to themselves, and and so he's kind of explaining how to attack and and that sort of thing. So I I liked it. It was kind of a kind of a mentoring sort of issue a little bit, and it shows I think how much Mark has kind of grown a little bit. So. What I do find is crazy is if you're a fan of Moon Knight and or Venom, and even not knowing Venom, you can probably figure this is not a character who normally solves things by negotiation or no. calm discussion, right? No, so not really. He is, he is uh, if, if Moon Knight is violent, he is on the violent side of Moon Knight, right? He's like, well yeah. past that even he's and and they've been doing a lot with these characters lately this was actually they had a a whole sort of venom verse uh, sort of event this last summer in marvel but you would not expect that this would be a story about resolution through nonviolence correct and yet we get no. to the end and they, they push through, they find Sarnak, they're ready to take him out. And it turns out he's locked himself in a panic room and called the cops on himself because he knew they were coming and he didn't want to get beaten up by them. Yeah. And that's how it ends. They're it like, is. oh, shucks, I guess we can't get to him now. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't want to. Like, we don't want to be here when the cops show up. Basically, it's so so they leave and and uh, yeah, he gets arrested. I found that so weird, like just just ballsy in terms of that is not what you'd expect, and it really is sort of this whole arc. Everything from twenty one to twenty four. It's one of the reasons I thought they'd go well together. You have a Moon Knight. Existing in a world where largely he is outside of our expectations. He's not really as violent as he was. He's got a place in the world and he's kind of settled in, right? And more and more he's becoming someone who ends up not punching people or impaling people when we would expect him to punch or impale them, right? He's kind right. of settling down a little bit. Which, again, should have been a warning to all of us that we were going to get a note a month or two from now that something bad's going to happen, right? But right. it is interesting, because Jed McKay spent the first part 
having us look at Zodiac, who is so anti-Moon Knight being a good guy, and he tries to turn him bad. And we're on Moon Knight's side, so we're like, man, Zodiac sucks. And now, a few issues later, Jed starts making Moon Knight so relaxed that suddenly now we're going to be Zodiac. And we're like, man, I really wish he would kill somebody because this is getting a little boring, right? And so I think it probably was done intentionally. And it's uh. it's fun and it's interesting, but it is kind of weird because I'm not used to this. I, you know, honestly, I wasn't like... As I'm reading through these books, I'm not like, I don't think he's not doing enough. Like, I don't think he's becoming complacent. I don't think he's not being violent enough. I, I don't expect for him to, like, be caught off guard and end up dying as a result of it. But we obviously know that that's kind of where this story ends up. And and again, we have more foreshadowing in this issue about the impending doom that could be coming for for mark specter uh with a line that 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 dylan the 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 new kind of owner of the symbiont says that you got here that says you're like my dad mr knight he also wanted to be better but be careful that's what got him killed yeah yeah jed mckay is super subtle he is like about as subtle as a sledgehammer to the head in actual fact with some of this at this point. Cause, yeah. cause it is, it is very much getting to be, we're starting to see this development and him kind of growing up and increasingly it's just kind of, you know, are you allowed to grow up if you're Moon Knight or are you eventually going to have to be thrown back into the, into the fire so that we can enjoy watching you suffer? And so... Heading into 24, it gets even worse because now literally everybody's happy, right? Right. right. They're hanging out. They're having a barbecue with the Alron's place. He's got his kid. He's got his wife, in-laws. Everybody's still alive. Uh, you know, Stephen's happy hanging out, having a nice dinner at, at Grant Manor with, uh, with Marlene. Everything is going well. And you just know something has to be happening here. And this oh, yeah. is the point. This is the point when it breaks, where right around the end of 24, Mark is just like, no, this is not me. I'm not the happy guy. And he forces his way out through the sort of hallucinations, the happy dreams that Jake is getting, that Steven's getting. And they're like, come on, man, can't we enjoy this for a while? Yeah, you know, yeah. but he's ready. He just can't take it because it's so out of character for him. And it's been building, you know, the, the being happy thing. The last few issues has probably been weird, but this is too much. He forces through. And when he forces through and talks to Morpheus, that's when we first hear about Black Spectre. And so in a lot of ways, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I think what's happened is it's almost like McKay's telling us that he could have stayed happy, but he just couldn't stop pushing. And when he pushed far enough, he found his own doom because he found, hey, Black Spectre's out there, and now he's going to start pushing towards that. 
and that's the thing that's going to be the you know the thing It'd that be, brings about his final it's end. Und, undoing yeah so yeah. black well, spec fi- final end final end in quotes as yeah end. yes so. yes so black specter though that is a name i recognized we've seen a black specter before haven't we he's killed a bunch of them okay so you'll remember uh, there was a black specter back in the first series uh with uh, mensch and some Kevich. and then he also reappeared in the civil war era uh, right. actually he was moon knight actually ended up having to go into hiding because he dropped him off a building right in front of tony stark or something like this that's so, right that's right i remember that now yeah probably impaled but i can't i can't verify <laughs> that so the uh the the thing about Black Spectre, even at the beginning, was I always thought he was meant to be. That's why I was a little saddened that he was killed off. I always thought that sort of like, you know, Batman has Joker, Moon Knight would have Black Spectre. And that's because when you look at the naming of the two, you have Moon Knight who is dressed all in white, and he is a knight, you know, a fist of conchu, a knight uh, with the K. Black Spectre? essentially is dressed in black and his last name is specter for heaven's sakes just like mark specter right Right. so they have they have a very similar look and it's really almost implied that black specter is the mirror image of mark specter because he's born from a wealthy family things go well for him he decides to use politics and the like to try and get ahead. And eventually he also wants to do good for the city, but he chooses to do it in a very different way. That's also a little bit against societal norms and it gets the two of them into trouble, right? Uh So initially Black Spectre thinks he's a good guy, but he's almost like a politician gangster type of thing is what he ends up being. Right. So I'm glad that if we're going to do this, McKay is bringing him back because I think that this is a character more than any others, more than even Bushman or any of these other characters. This is somebody who really should have been elevated higher within the Moon Knight mythos than they have been. Now, there is the small problem that he's dead, but he's been dead twice already, so I guess we just have another Black Spectre. Yeah. The question is, of course, who is it going to be this time? And so yeah. we've got to find out what's going on. And then, of course, we have to find out, is he actually the one behind it, or is there someone else, etc. But right. one way or another, for now, Black Spectre is the one who it looks like is the end game for him. That That is where, and that's where Mark Spectre and has his sights set as we as we go into this final final set of books. All right, are we ready to move on and to talk about City of the Dead? Because I think that is that was a really interesting series. I I am kind of very interested in talking about this because I I had picked up the first issue of this and uh not really knowing what to expect, but this actually was a really interesting story that was kind of it's it w- it came out concurrently with some of the last few issues of the current run of Moon Knight, but it is a completely different story kind of set off 
in, in time and space from from this main story arc that's going on. Yep. Yeah. Just recently, Into the Night had a an interview with David Popose where they asked him when it was set in the universe, and he said on a Tuesday. So that basically, he doesn't want to commit to any particular point sure. in continuity, sure. but it is it is essentially. Because we do see Tigra and the Midnight Mission at, during part of it. We yes. do see a lot Reese, of things that give us an Dr. idea. Dr. Bader, yeah. Yep, that this is something that's happening somewhere in the later part of the current Moon Knight run. It's not right. from like 1990 or something like that. It's it's relatively concurrent with the McKay run. But yes. as far as an exact which day he did this, uh, because a lot of it is basically over the course of... of probably an afternoon in real time. Uh, yeah. It's it's something that could fit in in a number of different places. So so I have kind of a, a relatively decent-sized overview here. Should we read through some of this, or uh, what do you want to do? How about how about I give you the first two issues, and then we'll talk about them a little bit. Sure, let's, let's start there. All right, so before we get started on the next one, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the team. Again, this was a book from... This fall, uh, issue five just finished up, I think a couple weeks ago. It's written by David Popose, penciled by Marcelo Ferreira, inked by Jay Lyston, colored by our old friend Rochelle Rosenberg, lettered by Corey Petit, edited by Tom Brevert, Annalise Bissa, and Martin Biro. So Rosenberg, Petit, uh, Brevin, yes. all people who've been with us on the regular Moon Knight book. Yeah, some familiar names. And Popose is somebody who I've been a fan of for quite a while. He's got a book called Spencer and Locke, which is a really kind of weird, cynical sort of take on what if Kelvin from Kelvin and Hobbes had grown up in a really disturbing childhood and had become a detective and through all his trauma had ended up making a seven-foot-tall sort of uh, talking tiger that accompanied him while he was trying to solve cases. So it's it's interesting stuff. I really like Popose's work. I've got uh, both volumes. Uh, I think there's only two volumes so far of Spencer and Locke. And then he's also been doing a lot of stuff on other Marvel books recently. He had a story. If you remember the story where uh, the, the altars all sat around in a diner and complained about the fact that they got each other beat up that night, that was oh, yeah. So that okay. was evidently his first story on this. But uh, yeah, he's really good stuff. So interesting guy uh, who hopefully will be doing a lot more Marvel stuff in the future. So with that, let's go ahead and take a look at these books. The book one starts with a young boy named Khalil Nasser being attacked by the Sons of the Jackal, a group of Anibus-loving street toughs in New York. Moon Knight breaks this up, but Khalil is mortally injured in the battle. Moon Knight takes him to Dr. Bader, hoping that he'll be able to save him, and he does stabilize the boy, but says that he has no brain activity, and the knights fear that his soul has gone to the Duat. Moon Knight then declares that he's going to follow and save the boy, and Bader helps him project himself into the Egyptian afterlife, where he fights the powered-up remnants of the Jackal Gang, and is saved by the timely intervention of an old friend named Layla Al-Fayuli who is now going by the name of the Scarlet Scarab. We then see that the boy is indeed in the afterlife and is a prisoner to the Jackal Knight. 
There are evidently seedy bars and delivery trucks in the duat, and Layla and Mark fight their way through dead gangsters while we learn how Layla was given her power as guardian of the duat by Tarek. They eventually find a number of children with their hearts cut out and fight a gang of Moon Knight's old deceased foes. Moon Knight is captured and taken to the Jackal Knight, who we find out is actually his brother, Randall Spector. Dun, it's, always, dun, dun, dun. it's always the brother. It's always Randall when you least expect it. Yep. So, so what did you think of this? This is kind of the, the lead into our big bad. Gets us started in it. Yeah, this was a very interesting, very, it, it really sunk its hooks into me quite quickly. Uh, just the this boy running from the these you know the the uh sons of the jackal right away and and he like comes to to the midnight mission asking for help and and you know they go and he goes out and basically tells them you know piss off and they're like nah nah we we need that kid and so they end up fighting and then somehow throughout all that chaos the kid ends up getting Get, getting hurt really badly and and it just I, I don't know what i thought was going to happen but i did not think we were we were going to go into the duot and all of start seeing you know references to to all the egyptian gods and different things like this it it, it reminded me a lot of the tv series actually and then to see Layla el Fayou, as the Scarlet Scarab again, it was just, it was, it, it really did remind me a lot of the TV show and some of the stuff that uh, we had seen during the uh, Marvel Studios adaptation of, of Moon Knight. Yep, this is sort of that two-way street that we sometimes have in comics. There are not a lot of times where characters debut in movies or television and then make their way into the comics but it is happening more and more commonly uh you know harley quinn is of course still the kind of the gold standard for that over the last few years because she's basically taken over dc comics and was created in batman the animated series but there's a number of other examples of this as well uh especially characters that were maybe a little bit less popular and have really had their they're sort of profile lifted by being in the movies, but also characters who are, are debuting in the, uh, the movies and the, or TV shows and then coming in. So, yeah, I think this is interesting stuff. Um, it is, it is odd. Sometimes there's some parts of it that are really dark. For instance, the children with their hearts cut out, we find that the reason yeah. that's being done is because it allows bad guys like villains and gangsters who are, who are brought down there to escape punishment by essentially using the hearts of innocence to trick the, uh, the scales. The, the scales and of justice. Yeah. Again, another, another, ref, another reference from the TV show is, you know, you have your heart measured and, and that's how you, they decide what to do with you in the afterlife. And so there, there's this racket of we're, 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 rounding up all these kids were taking out their hearts, putting them in cages and then, you know, using or selling these hearts to, to criminals that are, that are getting, uh, yeah. finding their way into the, into the duat and don't want to be punished for all the sins they, they did during their mortal life. 
Yep. And part of the reason why this is possible is that for what reasons we don't really understand at this point, the the one who should be actually controlling and, and sort of keeping things going properly in the Duat is Osiris, and he's been missing for a number of years, which has allowed some of these more dangerous elements to grab a, uh, a hold. And we'll find out a little bit more about that as we go along. But in general, we're starting to see not only some characters from the TV show, but of course the return of, of Randall Specter, which is a character we haven't seen for a while, mostly because he's dead, right? Yes. Um, yes. Now, there are questions I have. For instance, what is this guy doing in the Duat, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, pres does everyone he's go just, there? Presumably he's just, you know, a mortal guy from Chicago that, uh, you know, did some bad things during his mortal life. And how did he end up in in the Duat? That is an excellent question. What is a nice Jewish boy from Chicago doing in the Duat when he, <laughs> when he dies, right? Yes. So, and we'll find out there's a number of other people who just end up here that I would not have have figured would be likely to. Or, or so, Layla. How did Layla end up there to either? Because, you know, mm -hmm. she, she at least has a little bit more of a descent from, from that part of the country, but you know, even yep. still that was tenuous, I think at best. Yes. I mean, it's obvious that she would not have been a, a worshiper of any of these gods, <laughs> nor necessarily would, would any of the people we're seeing who are, are showing up there. So it's a bit it's a bit odd, but in any case, we're going to not worry about that. So, so he's here in this weird mystical land. He's been captured by his brother. He's being tortured. And essentially a number of the people that, um, that are helping. So, you know, besides Randall Spector, we are seeing Chainsaw. We are seeing uh, who else? I think Bushman's Bla there. Black Spectre is actually Black one of Spectre's the... Black Spectre's there. Yep. Plasma. Plasma. There's all sorts of these characters that are... Oh, uh, Midnight is there. Yes. So. Yes, they, they call them the Legion of the Unliving. Yep. And they're kind of at the behest of the Jackal Knight, Randall Spectre. He, he's, you know... The only way you, you you beat Moon Knight is to bring back some of the old adversaries that he was able to beat before, but presumably because you're all working together, you're going to be able to beat him this time. Yep. So, kind of crazy. In any case, moving on to issue number three, Layla ends up swooping in and saving Moon Knight as he's being tortured, decapitates Midnight in the process. Moon Knight then grabs a chainsaw and goes to town on the rest of his dead rogues gallery, ostensibly doing significant damage to most of them with a dangerous weapon. They find Khalil. They discover that the reason he's being kept is that he's actually the mortal host of Osiris. Randall reappears, tries to stop them from taking the boy, and nearly defeats them until Khalil actually accesses some of the power of Osiris to blast Randall away into the Duat. Moon Knight then steers the boat of the dead into Amit's mouth, to cover the retreat of Layla and Khalil as they try to make it out across the city and get away from the giant crocodile. So, there you are. It's interesting how... So, 
First off, what do you think of this? So tell tell me what you thought of issue number three. A little bit of crazy going just to absolute chaos there by the end, because yes, uh, Amit is this crocodile that's like as big as Manhattan, basically. And it is, she is ready to pounce on, on any, in any wayward soul that might be uh crud that might cross her path. And it made sense to me, I guess, why they suddenly, why this kid was so important. Like all this time I'm reading and I'm like, why is this kid so important? And then we, then, then we finally learned that he is the mortal host of Osiris and, and basically they're going to use him to harness the power of Osiris or the, the Jackal Knight Randall. That's, that's his end goal is he wants Osiris's power and he's going to use the kid, sacrifice the kid and get his power uh, as a result of this. And so we see this and like the kid doesn't realize that he's this, that, that he is empowered like this. Until he just kind of just like, ah, that does, does this like, you know, bolt with his hands or something like this that, that, that knocks, uh, Randall Spector away. But the, the issue ending with basically him saying, get the kid out of, out of the duot, save the kid. I will sacrifice myself and basically steers the, the ship directly into the mouth of of Amit was was actually just crazy. I I was like, I I desperately need to know what happens next because this is this is actual cra- craziness. Yep, and I find it interesting because it's strange to me how much Christian symbolism we have stuffed into a story about the Egyptian afterlife because really. Osiris is essentially doing almost like this Christ-like thing where he's put himself occasionally into a mortal form so that he can go to the earth and be able to sort of experience life as a mortal so that he's better able to judge and, and govern people after they die. And of course, right at the end, Moon Knight's doing his Noah into the whale thing and he's going to go into <laughs> yeah. the belly of the beast and then have to come out. So. Uh-huh. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a, interesting that uh, we've got a, a, a Jewish superhero in the Egyptian afterlife sort of reenacting the Christian uh, Christian myths with Osiris. So we'll, we'll see how all this works. The Osiris coming down to earth thing is, uh, is a little bit on, on the nose. Anyway, so in issue four then? Mark actually is stuck inside the belly of uh, Amit and is being judged for his past sins as Layla attempts to sort of race across the city, running away from the jackal and his forces. She's able to sort of reshape things a little bit and is trying to keep the kid away so that the jackal cannot take his power. Randall wants to get him so he can steal the power of Osiris and he hopes to get that from the child. Moon Knight then meets up with Marlene's father in the belly of Amit, and he's actually been seeing him, uh, Dr. Alrun, in various places as he's been going through the Duat over the last few issues. And he actually gets a chance to visit with him and get some forgiveness and closure 
of something that was really one of his biggest regrets, which was that he'd killed this man, killed uh, Marlene's father. Moon Knight then, at the very end, cuts his way out of the belly of Amit, just as his brother gains the powers of a god, and we sort of cut to the next issue. So we have a, a definite cliffhanger. Yeah, the, the this issue where he's like seeing visions and stuff. He, we actually have a a Kanshu sighting in there. He's praying to Kanshu, looking for guidance as to how to how to deal with this situation. Kanshu gives him a gun, or I guess I don't know if that was like a metaphysical gun or what. But yeah. no, no sooner than that happens, but then yeah, Doctor Allred shows up. And they have this like heart to heart discussion and basically says, you know, I don't hold you responsible for what happened. You know, I know that you tried your best and, and I asked you to look after Marlene after I was gone and, and you definitely did that. So he, he, he got to apologize, but, but, uh, Dr. Allred had already said that, you know, I had forgiven you a long time ago. And, and so yep. it was, it was kind of a, uh, I don't know if it was like a vision or what exactly it was, because he was like, there was a, there was a panel in there where he's like basically chained inside this beast by these like tentacle looking things. And, and so I don't know what exactly was going on there, you know, how much of it was real, how much of it was imagined or visioned. But it was it was kind of interesting to see why did we keep seeing Dr. Dr. Allred? Now we see him again and and it actually allows him to unburden himself of some some, you know, guilt that he's had and kind of allows him to sort of. Um, I don't know, I, I almost think of like Popeye with the spinach, basically he suddenly becomes reinvigorated and ready to to fight Randall uh, and and the jackal jackal forces his legion of the unliving. Yeah, it's a little weird that I mean I mean if you didn't read the comic, if you visualize sort of like when uh, when Drax came out of the one beast at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy two, he sort of cuts his way out of the thing and like that's sort of what's happening. Uh-huh. It's a little weird that Moon Knight's somehow basically eviscerating a god to get back to uh, to things. I don't know what they're exactly going to do. I assume there's going to be some recuperation time for Amit, and that's probably going to put everything behind him to do it. But it's a little weird. It was cool, though. Uh, everything kind of comes together now. He's He's back. His brother's at full power. We head into book five. At that point, the Egyptian dead actually sort of starts invading New York. Midnight Mission Team, we actually finally see a little bit as they work to hold off sort of these spirits. As Moon Knight physically splits into four parts, didn't know he could do that. It's the Traveler, the Embracer, the Pathfinder, and the Defender. One for each of his altars. And then Conchu is thrown into the mix as well as a, a fourth entity. They end up fighting Randall Spector's forces. Layla actually powers up to hold the city back from fully crossing into the current reality. She's got some pretty substantial powers as the protector of the Duat. Even so, things are going badly until Khalil actually sacrifices himself by essentially putting a sword through his chest. 
When that happens, because he was the host that Osiris is bound to, when he dies, Osiris pops back into the Duat, and things are over pretty quickly. He's basically yeah. like, that is my power, if you don't mind. And he sort of just... <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be taking that back now. <laughs> I will be taking that back. And so we have we have Randall the Power. Brothers do have one last fight uh, before Moon Knight actually gets sent back to his body and Osiris resurrects Khalil uh, to thank him for his uh, his sacrifice. Layla also inexplicably is back in New York, and it, I'm unsure, but it's possible that she's actually been on Earth and sort of running an antique, an antique shop all along, where she also lives two lives, or else maybe Osiris has sent her back down as a thank you as well, where she now gets to... I, I don't know exactly how that I think, works. I think that's what happened. Basically, he was going around giving rewards at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the battle and you know he's like thank you for kind of keeping the the uh the duot here and not in the mortal realm so we appreciate that thank you very much uh and she's like you know pitching that you know this kid did this really really heroic thing by basically killing his his soul so that Osiris could escape and so that Randall couldn't couldn't do what he was trying to do and so she he she gets Osiris to to resurrect him and not only him but his brother uh Rashid as well who had died okay. and and so it was like ha happy families again at the, at the end of this you get an extra life and you get an extra <laughs> life and you get an yes. extra life all right I'll, I'll accept that I don't I don't know exactly how it worked but but that sounds good to me. So she's back on Earth. Uh, she knows Mark is out there. Mark does not know she's out there. So it's actually a little bit like the uh, the start of the, the television show, actually. So there we go. So what did you think about uh, what did you think about the end of this here? I didn't know how they were going to end this, but I think this is one of the best ways they probably could have ended this. I mean, I, I you never like seeing a, a kid stick a sword that through his chest, uh, but that's kind of you know basically what we had happen, and and uh, but like yeah, powers of the gods, Moon Knight, he's great and all, and the fact that he somehow managed to split into his different like alters or different versions of himself so that he could be like his own like mini army during this was was different we hadn't i don't know that we've ever seen that before but uh i i, I think i think it was a a a good resolution to the story i'm glad they 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 saved the kid and uh you know this was it, it was a nice wrap up to the story I, I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, I I agree. I think it was it was well done. It was actually a very a very light dark story, if we can yeah. put it that way. Yeah. It was you know, there were there were truly sort of almost horrific moments, like when you see what's being done to those kids and stuff like that. But there's also sort of a light romance element to it and the like. Popose did a really nice job of navigating kind of 
what could have been something difficult to do tonally. And so I think it was a really well-written story. I also think it actually reminds me very much of something that Doug Mensch might have written back in the day. This feels like a classic weird Moon Knight story from like the late 80s, right? Mm. And I actually really enjoyed that that he was able to sort of manage that tone. It reminds me, in fact, um, a bit of Volume 3 of Moon Knight, what's called The Resurrection War. It's the one where after, at the end of Volume, or of uh, Mark Spector, uh, he's kind of dead again. And Doug Mensch just sort of comes in and goes, no, no, that was all probably just a dream. It was Morpheus all along, right? But that was one of the most confusing stories I've ever read from Moon Knight. But it was good, and it was, wow. it was entertaining. We actually had a, a Phases episode entitled, It Only Turns Out, or It Turns Out He Was Only Mostly Dead, which you can go back and take a look at if you want to listen to that again. But there was a lot of stuff that I really liked uh, it was a greatest hits album in some ways because we saw at least cameos from a lot of old characters we haven't seen from a lot for a long time. It's just a, just a lot of fun. And they and they, we got to see the powers of the Scarlet Scarab as well. She's actually like rearranging the city and stuff. And so I'm very curious to see how her powers sort of translate to the mortal. To the mortal realm if she is yep. in fact in the mortal realm how, how that's going to how that's going to play out i definitely think she is in the mortal realm she's now I in do, the Marvel i do Universe. think so too yes my only question is if she's always kind of been there and has just sort of been hiding off on her own instead of coming back to mark or if this is a she's just been resurrected but it is interesting that at the very end this story ends with Layla coming out of like an antiques shop, looking up and seeing Moon Knight sort of off in the distance, and she says, Be seeing you, Mark. Right? Be seeing him where? Does she know he's <laughs> going to die in five issues and she's going to see him back down in the underworld? Is she going to wander back into his life? Uh, you know, it's very odd for a character to end with, Be seeing you, Mark. If we all know he's going to be dead in five issues and she's not talking about it in terms of the underworld. Right. So I suspect some of the writers at Marvel don't actually believe that Mark Spector is going to be dead forever. Uh, no, I, I mean, he hasn't stayed dead before. So my, my inclination is that he is going to come back eventually. It's just a question of, We've been, assured, we've been assured right now that Khonshu cannot save him. And so this time, if he dies, it'll be for real. So. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> so uh, one other question, again, happens on a Tuesday. We don't know at what point exactly this comes in. But I do think it's interesting how basically Mark, when he sees... Layla, he's not like, hey, you know, it's great seeing you. Maybe, uh, you know, we can have coffee with me and my girlfriend sometime or something like this. <laughs> he he pretty much completely forgets about Greer and that he has a girlfriend. And I think Tigra deserves better than this. 
I just think Tiger deserves better than Mark in general. I'm starting Pro- to believe it. Yeah, point, definite, to definitely, definitely. But did you notice that he was uh, he was he, immediately he was, back in the past? He was he was kind of falling all over her and was very very smitten kitten again and was singularly focused on on her and and he was like oh my god it's so great that i got to see her again and he's like when he's about to be resurrected by osiris he's like i don't want to leave her and all of this sort of thing as well so yeah to your point he's like totally forgotten that you know he's kind of in a bit of a relationship back in the mortal realm uh, that that you know he might want to uh you know, Might want to remember, you know. He's such a bad boy. But in any case, so, you know, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And, you know, David proposed the guy who wrote this. I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. Probably, you know, most folks haven't heard a lot about him. I actually discovered his initial book, um, Spencer and Locke a few years ago. Got to talk to him at a convention a couple of years uh, ago as well. Popose seems to be someone who is really well situated to succeed in the modern Marvel world because he's got a modern sensibility in terms of knowing how to use uh, female characters well, knowing how to write uh, sort of modern stories with modern sensibilities. But he also has still that very sort of ironic, cynical, violent sort of of sense of humor that lets him make comics that I think still appeal to some of people who like more traditional books. And so it's actually something that seems to be really fitting well and allowing him to make some comic books that probably are, are really in a good position to be successful in the Marvel world. Like this one, which was a lot of fun. All right, Dwayne. So kind of cool. Two semi-ongoing Moon Knight books going on right now. We've got the regular series and then this one, which was five issues. We've also had a number of other ones lately that I think you've picked up a few of that we're not necessarily going to talk about. There were some annuals and stuff. Is there anything there you did want to mention that you particularly enjoyed or... So I, we had the, we didn't talk about it last week specifically, but when we first talked uh, about the first set of books, I really liked the Devil's Reign Moon Knight issue. Uh, the art style in there was very anime-ish. It was very cool. And just the way the story was written, Moon Knight ends up going to jail and ends up in this fighting uh, circuit uh, where he's going and beating up more and more people that uh, and people are placing bets on him and and he ends up fight fighting uh, the mountain, I think is what they called him at the, at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out he had purposely got himself put in in prison so that he could find this uh, mountain because he was a really bad guy and about to get paroled. And and the the wife did not want him to be able to come after her when he got out so he he basically fought him blinded him and uh 
and really and yeah. basically saved potentially saved her uh from having to deal with the, this really bad guy when he gets out so i, I really like that I, I picked up the contest of chaos book that was actually just released uh a few months ago i haven't read it yet um but it is it look it the cover is really interesting he there's him and and another character that i don't actually know that are fighting on the cover and um i i I'm looking forward to reading it here probably over the next week or two, I'm thinking. Yeah, he's been co-starring in like in a lot of things. The uh the one that you talked about from um from Dark Rain, do you it's interesting you talk about that one as anime-ish or the like. Do you remember that that is Sabatini? That is, that's right. I, I forgot his, about that. His style has changed a lot though. Because if you look at that one, it's a very, very bright, sort of clean line kind of style that is much more almost animation style as yeah. in terms of, and, and the way he draws it's, Moon Knight, the way he draws the characters is very different. It's it's a, a pretty big departure from the main series run. And, and you know, it's, it, I, I really liked the art in that. Even though it was so different, it, it wasn't so different that I couldn't enjoy it. In fact, it, I, I really ended up actually liking the art because of how different it was. Yep, yep it's good stuff. So, but yeah, there's been a lot of great things going on. Of course, heading into next year, we're looking for more interesting stuff. But for now, I think that probably does it. We are up to the big finale. And so now... Uh, you know, hold on to your hats, folks, because sometime between when we talk to you, we're recording on Sunday, and when we talk to you next, recording next Sunday, Moon Knight number 30 comes out. So we will be taking a look at it when it comes out on Wednesday or so, and then have a relatively fresh look uh, with you guys on, on what we think of it after that. So it's going to be interesting. We'll be covering next week really just those six books uh, it's going to be number 25 which is the oversized issue it's got uh, one big moon knight story in it and then some reprints prints and some other things so we'll talk about that get a chance to discuss the economics of ten dollar regular series comic books and how that may or may not infuriate me and then and then we'll talk about 26 through 30 and how they lead us into that sort of end game for uh, for the modern Moon Knight run, and and so then we'll have a little bit of an idea of where the the new book, uh, something Hopefully. vengeance, vengeance, vengeance some, of the Moon Knight, yep. vengeance of the Moon Knight, is presumably going to pick up uh, when that debuts yep. early next year. So yep, a few weeks later by the exact same creative team. So really, there is. Uh, there's not much that changes except evidently the main character. So we'll see how that goes. All right. And with that, that is going to do it for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. Whether you're new with, to the show or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts on the show. 
especially if you read this week's books uh, 21 through 24 or Moon Knight City of the Dead. We'd love to get your thoughts on those books. You can send those to us via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com or you can reach out to us via social media on Twitter slash X at Comics Overtime or on Blue Sky at Comics Overtime. Dan, I I really enjoyed these books. I really enjoyed City of the Dead. It was an unexpected surprise, I think. I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I picked up the first book. Really glad we read it. And uh, yeah, this calm before the storm is very unnerving. And so I'm very much looking into diving into the big issue 25 and all the way to issue 30 and figure out where where our hero ends up when this when this uh, when all the dust settles yep it's gonna be interesting and we don't have long to wait so uh it's uh, gonna be an exciting week of finding out what's going on and coming back to talk about it until next week take care everybody see you later folks